Welcome to Futures Forum, mind-sharing ideas, innovations, and best practices. Hosted by StoryCraft Lab in partnership with Hub. Season two is focused on hybrid explorations. This episode is part one of an open forum and discusses what we need to know about hybrid. For this conversation, we gathered industry experts from Microsoft, Hub, Opus Agency, SEMA, The Charles Group, Convoke, Eventpreneur, and Lynchpin Events. Today's session is all about identifying what we don't know. So uh, those big questions, uh, when we did session season one, we were just talking about virtual events. What does it mean? to create a virtual experience that is meaningful and engaging. And in season two, we're turning our attention now to hybrid, right? That we think that that's really the next frontier, especially as people look out to planning events now that are happening towards the end of the year or the start of 2021. Hybrid is um, big on everybody's mind. So uh, I'm really glad that you all have been able to join us today to help us with that kind of reflection. Uh, session where I'm sure that the brilliant insights will come because you will have brilliant minds <laughs> but they're not required today is just it's a kind of very zen-like activity of identifying what you see what you're hearing what you know don't know so we we sent out a couple of questions one was very much directly geared towards the question around hybrid what do you need to know the other one was broader, right? So what would be your biggest learning from the past three months and, and how would you anticipate applying this in the future? So Ali, if I were to say to you, the phrase hybrid events, what is it that we don't know? What is it that we would need to um, identify <laughs> and work through um, over the coming sessions and Futures Forum for us to feel much more comfortable with the idea of hybrid and how to apply it? Yeah, you know, Thinking about events in the past, there has always been this 90s video game virtual event that happened, and then there was the super cool in-person event that would happen. And if you weren't in-person, you were missing out, right? And so the goal was to always drive in-person registration and put all the emphasis on the experience in person. And I think that as we approach our new world, that we're gonna to have to figure out how do we make a virtual event just as valuable as in person, but there's just different experience types that happen based off of whether you're remote. I love that word, Justin, I use it all the time, thinking about remote experiences versus in-person experiences because they all are experiences. And so a big question for me is how do we unite people because events happen because of human connection, because of you know, needing to connect together to learn, educate, you know, grow our networks. And so as we think about the world split between remote experiences and in-person, how do we create those combined experiences that really help us to move business forward? And I, I say that knowing that I'm an in-person event person. Like I want events to come back because that's what I crave. I am so pissed that my birthday party cannot happen right now. <laughs> and so, you know, I am all about that. But I think also that the reality is that our communities become more global every day. So when I think about just the world in general as a human, it's more connected, it's more global, it's more inclusive. All of these factors are coming to a head right now in the world that are really changing our perspective of 
who we are, how we are, how we connect together, and events are a big piece of that as well. And so in the future of events, I think it's going to be all about creating an inclusive environment, creating that connection, and figuring out how to do those in different ways. So I don't know if that answers the question or not, Naomi, but that's my perspective. So inclusivity is big on your mind. And yes. crafting those moments for inclusivity to really be intentional and, and successful, what would it take? Yeah. Yeah. And, and making people, um, providing an environment that's conducive for people to achieve their best work. And so for some people in a virtually inclusive or, or just an inclusive environment, for some people that means quiet with headset and, you know, in a dark room. And for other people like me, it means really loud voices and running up and giving people hugs and, you know, having that in-person interaction. And so, uh, you know, at our company, our people champion is always working on providing an environment for people to do their best work. And I feel like in events, we need to do the same thing, providing environments where people can learn, educate, and grow. Learn, educate, and grow. That's awesome. I think I have the Microsoft <laughs> event tagline slogan. I, I think After so. 20 <laughs> years of working there, I think it's <laughs> the just three word, like, that thing out. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So Gary, I'm going to turn to you next. So I'm, I'm curious kind of where you might see gaps and places that people are asking yeah. questions around. Or... So, and one of the big areas that we see hybrid being pushed to new directions in gaming and esports is really just the utilization of technology. And it's uh, much more of a question that we have all of these cool technologies that enable us to have these hybrid events that let us have digital events uh, mixed in with in-person events. And so a lot of the gaps for us are really in how those technologies are going to be used to create new experiences. And I think one of the first examples that we saw this happening with quite a bit in the gaming space and in the esports space was with uh, AR and VR and mixed reality and seeing the ability of that to bring uh, real life events in person in a unique intangible way. But even more exciting now is what we're seeing happen with a lot of these video games that are really taking traditional in-person events like concerts or music festivals and digitalizing them. So uh, case studies that I always recommend people take a look at is of course you have uh, the concerts that are happening in Fortnite now. Fortnite being the most popular game in the world, you have concerts that happen in platform and engage people digitally, which is so incredibly cool. Uh, and Minecraft even did this past weekend, two weekends ago, did their Electric Blockaloo music festival all in Minecraft. And it had a lineup of over 200 of the most famous DJs in the world going live in there. So as we see these new technologies, whether it is the community aspect of video games like Fortnite and Minecraft, or technologies like AR, uh, mixed reality, those sorts of things, seeing how those are gonna come to life to bring hybrid events together and enable us to experience community, to experience things we're passionate about and really experience events together is really what I'm most excited about. And I think a lot of gaps exist is just haven't figured out how to use these technologies in the best way for hybrid yet, but we have the technology and it's all about the creativity and how we use them that's gonna enable some really cool examples in the future. Was there any aspects, Gary, to those events that were VR, or was it, because, um, and I don't know a lot about video games, my son is obsessed with Fortnite, so I've been trying to learn, and I'm horrible, so he doesn't like playing with me, but, um, you know, where, was there, and I just bought um, my Oculus, and so I got on it yep. this weekend, and I haven't, 
I haven't played with VR in probably like three or four years. So in, like when the Oculus first came out, I had a friend that got one for like an ungodly like $5,000 or something. And so I went Perfect. over to his house and played on it. And I haven't since then. And I put on my Oculus and I literally had a panic attack from feeling like I was going to fall off a cliff. And I was like, this is so much better than what it used to be. So I'm interested in your perspective of how VR is being incorporated right now. Um, and how you see the popularity of VR coming to fruition, especially with a barrier of maybe cost or, you know, device dependent, although I see that changing too, but I'd love to hear your perspective on that. And that is every, about every five years in the game industry, we have the VR conversation where someone's come out and reduced the cost of VR and made it a bit more accessible. And so about every five years, it's this is the year that VR is finally going to happen. My personal opinion is we're not quite there yet, but it has been accessible enough to developers that people are developing a lot of solutions for it. So some of the most, as far as hybrid events go, tied back to music again, some of the most innovative uses we've seen for it is uh, different camera setups at concerts that are letting people come in via VR and experience concerts from their own perspective, look around and not just see when you traditionally watch a concert on YouTube or a stream where you're just watching the stage, you get to look around, see the atmosphere, experience the parts that you want to see. On the flip side of that, in the gaming space specifically, we've seen some really interesting uses of AR, especially at, um, events, big large scale events like E3 and PAX, which are the event expos for the gaming industry. It's very expensive and cost prohibitive to get on the floor for that. But a lot of brands have come through. One of them that we worked with is a brand called Predator, which does high-end gaming PC gear. And they didn't want to pay compete to be on the floor. So what they actually did was set up AR stations where people could get their phones out and through augmented reality, see and articulate and use some of their latest and greatest technology and engage in that new way, which for the gaming audience, in an event like that for something that was that cutting edge people loved uh, and they were actually able to expend, extend that and do scavenger hunts with online offline components that also utilize AR just through your smartphone so the technology is there it's just all about the creativity of how we're going to use it and I think that that's going to be key for everybody isn't it just unpacking all of that technology knowledge right and and making it um, uh, consumable and, and understandable <laughs> Uh, as we look at, you know, how we then kind of build those technologies into planning, right? How far out do we need to start thinking about AR and VR <laughs> as a component of the experience? Does it require that additional lead time, um, you know, and potentially, you know, integrating that with the overall kind of event concepting so that it's, you know, a cohesive, creative um, Oh, so lots, lots to think about that there over there. <laughs> I well, think Gary's going to get invited back every week to help us. So Naomi, just one thing, Gary, that you said is that when we do in-person events, we always wanted them, everybody to be off the second screen yeah. and not paying attention to all these, like how do we catch their attention in our keynotes and in everything that we do so that they don't pay attention to somewhere else. And now that second, the third screen is going to be so much more important when we build hybrid programs because we are gonna to wanna to connect and have a CEO sitting in the audience to connect with their team at home and paying attention to these second screens and doing all this other stuff. So I think it's interesting that you bring that up of all these new technologies that we're gonna go, yeah, no, bring out your phones, bring yeah. in all your stuff, yeah. yeah. And that's for gaming events, that's how we build. We build, whether it's an expo or a competitive gaming tournament, we know that the conversation is gonna be happening on Twitter. Um, we always say, you know, you might be able to get 
uh, on a, at a good top tier gaming tournament, you might be able to get 20,000 people in a stadium, but there's going to be over a million people watching that online. And so we build for the second screen because we know the conversation is going to be happening on Twitter. We know people are going to be watching the streams to get all the angles. And we know that people are going to be talking in chat on Twitch and discord. So it's all of those areas that we want the conversation to happen to. And we build for in the gaming space, which is a lot of fun. It's cool to be both digital and in person. All the platforms. All the platforms. <laughs> Can I ask a question about that? Um, it, you know, Gary, when you think about ROI, you know, because it's interesting, when you think about a virtual event for a product company or an association, you're building ROI typically off of lead volume or conversion rate. And so sure. in, in gaming, how is ROI looked at? Because you have all this, you know, ancillary, like you might be chatting in Twitch, you might be chatting in Twitter. And, yeah. and so, you know, is ROI measured in the traditional marketing way of, okay, this is how many impressions, this is, you know, top trending hashtags, or how does ROI come to fruition in gaming? Yeah, so most of, and to take a step back, most of the ecosystem money that comes into gaming is from sponsors. So for all of our events, all of the revenue that comes to the teams, the leagues, all of that is through sponsorships. And all sponsorship packages are sold both for IRL, for the event, for branding, for packaging, all of that, for engaging people on-prem. But most of the value comes from digital and it's all the, again, the technology that we have to track people all the way through the cycle. So someone comes in and watches the stream on Twitch, you're paying for a banner placement that directs directly to your website to have a consumer take an action that integrates to the messaging that they're seeing in the broadcast, that integrates to the signage that they're seeing on the event, maybe on the jerseys, but then that digital pathway is very open and very trackable. So we can track someone who's coming through on that digital pathway into our system and then know what actions they're going to take on our end. Mm. So it's like a lot more getting a lot more comfortable with the idea of that presence of advertising as clickable pathways, <laughs> essentially yep. that kind of allow people to navigate through and the variety of ways to do that. We yeah. can do it via social communities. There's organic ways to do it. And there's also paid ways to do it. And both play very well for this type of event and audience. That's awesome. Well, hi, everyone. My name is Sarah Smith, and I'm a event, an event program manager at Microsoft Research. Um, I've been at Microsoft Research for 17 years now. Um, and this is my first try at virtual events and our virtual event that um, we're kicking off is on July 20th through 23rd. It's called Frontiers in Machine Learning. And my biggest learning for this is um, my event owners do not want to do virtual. They're afraid. They're really leading with fear here. Um, they're, not, you know, our, our researchers are very, you know, inquisitive and they're, you know, always learning. And um, I guess that's been the biggest surprise that I've, I've had um, with this virtual um, revolution that we're going to, towards right now. Um, it's just that there's, there's this big fear of the unknown um, and they don't want to, um, they don't want to look bad. They don't want to, you know, put something out there that's not completely polished. Um, and they are afraid to say, um, I don't know, or I don't know how this is going to go perfectly. Um, there might be, um, you know, a new challenge that comes up. And so that's been my biggest learning um, is to really put a lot of energy into getting the stakeholders buy-in really early and keep, you know, infusing them with energy and um, excitement and trying to, you know, kind of pull them along in this journey. Um, and so that's been, you know, kind of interesting to see. 
So Sarah, what are the kinds of tools and resources then that you would need to kind of help those folks find that degree of comfort? Well, the, you know, the challenging thing, I guess, is like all of us, we're all watching virtual events. And so I think that what what's happening is they're watching virtual events and saying, oh, I don't want mine to look like that. Or, you know, I want this piece or that piece. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been very interesting to see kind of what resonates with them because they're, you know, kind of cherry picking what they want from all these external conferences that they're watching. Um, and then I'm trying to, you know, um, cobble it together and make it. Um, a, co a cohesive event. So it becomes the event curator in a way. Yeah, it sounds sure. like just that kind of the uh, the access to lots of case studies, seeing yes. how other people have tested. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're going out and doing doing research and then coming back to me and saying what can we do to make these events more engaging and our events are highly academic. Um, you know, so some of the marketing things um, aren't aren't interesting to to them or to our audience, and so you know they don't want to um, you know do yoga or have those types of sessions. Um, so it's been really interesting to try to figure out what do they want, um, how do they want to interact, because interacting is still extremely important. But they're like, mm, how about fifteen minute coffee chats or small breakouts? Um, you know, they don't want to do you know, the fun stuff that, you know, we might think is, is fun. But entirely kind of tied to audience, right? Yes. You know, it's specific to your academic audience that yoga might just not be their jam. But if right. you give them some kind of AI uh, interactive sculpture oh. type thing, you know, that's something they get excited about, you know. Exactly. So it's, it's digging in then to the audience and figuring out what's right for that. Absolutely. That I have a quick question, Sarah, if you don't mind me putting you on the spot, and I completely Bring realize you may not be able to share any of this information, but with Build having just taken place recently digitally for the first time ever, I was curious if there are any high-level learnings that you all learned from Build that you'd be willing to share. Yeah, um, yeah, we've actually been having some really interesting discussions. We've started a um, the other team uh, that does events, um, the larger events, the Tier 1 events team at Microsoft, they have started a learning series and so we're all able to kind of watch and learn as they're learning. Um, they have a massive team and a massive budget um, to be able to kind of layer in tools that really work well for the user experience where, you know, our small little academic budget, we just don't have the same resources available. We don't have the number of bodies and the amount of money um, to put into it because Build was beautiful um but you know they they have you know more in terms of you know staffing and 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 budget so they're able to do a little bit more with it but the most interesting thing that we took from build was we need to invite more people um because there's about a 50 percent drop off um is what they had experienced with their attendees um, but they were able to reach a massive audience. Uh, so that number got us excited too. So we were like, you know, we thought, you know, oh, we'd invite like four or 500 people. And then we went, oh, let's fight it, invite a thousand people. Cause if we have drop off, you know, there, you know, we might be in, at that number. Um, but I'm finding it really interesting, this academic audience that I'm dealing with, 
um, I send out an invite and people are responding and registering right away. And I've never experienced that before. It usually takes a few days. Um, you know, they have to look at their schedule, think about their flights. Um, but their, our, our uptick um, in registrations is massive. So it'll be interesting to see if we get the same kind of drop off that Bill did. And it's really interesting to hear about the kind of organizational approach to learning, right? And I think that that's personally a trend that I'm seeing is that people are much more open to this group dialogue around what, what do we need to learn and let's learn together from one another, you know, and that sounds like that's happening as well. Yeah, it's been really exciting. So um, the tier one events team started that learning series and it's about, you know, every other week. Um, and then it made me say, well, my team is struggling with virtual events. They, you know, they're so, you know, reserved um, to getting excited about this. So um, I, I did a, our first learning series just for my small team um, and everyone dialed in and there were so many questions that I didn't even have enough time to take all the questions that I had to answer some of the questions in email later. So um, people are, you know, very curious about virtual events. That's exciting too. From a tech standpoint, uh, we do the same thing every two weeks, which is an AMA internally. And I think the really important thing is I don't think anyone knows what's going on right now <laughs> because we're all exploring it and learning for the first time. And so to Naomi's point earlier, I think it really is group learning environment. It's sharing. It's really saying, hey, how could we push the bounds? Um, I just put in the chat for anyone that might be interested, there was a um, building build video that came out um, that uh, is really interesting. And it sort of shows behind the scenes with build and how they took a different approach to planning and brainstorming too, that may be interesting for people to watch. It, it definitely was as an events person, I watched it. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like that was my mentality to it. So it might be fun for you guys to watch. <laughs> they did a great job. Yeah. Copying that. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Ali. <laughs> so, Kim, I'm going to turn to you next. <laughs> Big Yay! Questions. <laughs> I know existential questions for you. I'm not sure what, where where you kind of want to focus. Whether it's learnings and application, or you know, it, it, I can go all over the place because I'm living. Our Sarah, our event is uh, the end of this month, so the 27th, 28th, and we're an association that is very hands, uh, you know, huggy, they're supposed to be together. So it's, um, we have one of our keynote speakers say a great learning the other day, um, Julie knows because she's been on these calls, that you can't expect someone who's been doing one thing for 25 years to change their path in 10 minutes. So it has been, we have, face-to-face uh, uh, -face has always been our bread and butter. I mean, that's what we've done. And I think the key learnings I've dealt with is that, you know, you're, you're budgeting differently. You're, uh, you're, you're not, you're, everyone thinks it's less money and it's not, it's just moving dollars around. Mm -hmm. And it's also the type that you have to be very patient with your employees and make sure that they're, you know, their, their voices are being heard. However, they have to, I hate the word pivot um, in that, that stream as well. So I think from a business standpoint, it's it, this whole thing, it can be incredibly daunting, but it can also be incredibly positive and you're showing, you're expanding your horizons to, to a lot of people, which you just said, uh, Gary, that to people you've never touched before and you're opening that audience up and you're bringing them in, which is a kind of a different remote hug, so to speak. So, uh, you know, I have, there's, 
I have, I have to rely on a lot of in-kind services uh, constantly. So I've got four people on this, or three people on this group, four people in this group that are doing stuff for me to make that event possible. And so you have to minimize, you have to, it's just a really tough scenario because you don't know the unknown. To your point, I, we're having registration slow because people are so used to getting their, need to get their hotel rooms fast because they want to be, make sure they're in the room block. So I'm having a coronary because registrations aren't coming in fast enough. So it's, it's, it's constantly learning. Also learning is that we can do it in a lot of different ways, which Allie has shoved down my throat, that, and just test these things out because it's okay the first time to test it all out and see what happens. And if you test it out three different ways, we can measure which way was a good one and we can change it and move it for next year when we have to go to hybrid. So it's, uh, I can go on a lot of different paths, but I think Naomi at, I mean, Julie has been living it because I've tortured her through all the content because we went from 12 um, live sessions to 68 now um, virtual right, sessions. Yeah, 72 virtual <laughs> sessions. <laughs> yeah. In, wow. in literally uh, six weeks. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy, but it's fun. And it's exciting. And this is what we do. And this is as event marketers and, and people in this industry, this is what we live for. It's just making sure that everyone that's on our team can live with it, <laughs> with us <laughs> on this crazy train we're in. But, uh, you know, it's, it, it makes every day exciting. And it's a lot of sleepless nights. And we worry. But in the long run, we have a fabulous team that we have to rely on. And we know it'll be wonderful. So that's my high-level business craziness, constantly looking at the bottom line all the time, which is, so I'm, I know Allie has kept me off the ledge saying it's going to be fine, but you know, it's hard to forecast. Right. And I think that there's, um, you know, perhaps then there's something that we can dig into on the learning side, which is about, you know, the marketing specifically pre-event. <laughs> it's um, not the same. And I think that's what, you know, bringing the team that's always done things one way for a live audience to bring them up to speed and say, you're, this is totally different. You don't go once a week. You've got to do every day. You got to, I mean, and, and that's another whole scenario you could talk about for a long time. Um, you know, budgeting, this, uh, everything. It's, it's crazy, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm learning a lot. I'm having fun. I'm trying to keep people off the ledge. And we're dealing with a lot of different personalities and we just have to make sure that everyone's understood and taken care of. And that's in creating events. There's always a lot of wonderful personalities. It's uh, just different platforms and <laughs> fabulous way to present that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I wanted to say thank you to everybody for joining. You've certainly given us a list of things that we have to figure out. Uh, thanks everybody for your time today.